Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Well, Valley Church, it's great to be back with you again this week as we continue our series, Speak Jesus. We are studying through the book of Acts together, and I just have to tell you, this series has become a favorite of mine. Every week, I leave challenged to go and speak Jesus with more courage and boldness. So before we get into our study today, Will you pray with me over our time together? Father God, would you, by your Holy Spirit, do a work that only you can do? God, let your words be heard through my mouth today, and I pray that those words would point people to Jesus. God, convict us, Challenge us to live more boldly as your followers, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our vision here at Valley Church is to seek, serve, and send disciples of Jesus Christ into our valley and into our world with the gospel. And last Sunday on the drive home from church, I told Jonathan that something really stood out to me in his message as we were looking at Acts chapter 6 and the man Stephen that was chose to help care for the widows. You know, Stephen was faithful at serving, that second part of our, our vision statement. He was faithful at serving in the small things, kind of behind the scenes. And because of that, God led him then to do great things things. And we left with Acts 6 verse 8. This verse says, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Now we're not going to spend a lot of our time today in Acts chapter 6 or 7. The majority of it will be spent in Acts chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, go ahead and turn there with me to Acts 8. But I do want to briefly cover what happened in the rest of chapter 6 and 7. When you read the end of chapter 6, you find that there are some men who could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen was speaking. And because of that, these men brought together another group of men who they got to conspire against Stephen and falsely accuse him of speaking blasphemy. Then Stephen was arrested. He's brought before the same council that Jesus was before his crucifixion. And yet again, this provides another opportunity for the gospel to be preached. Do you think that Stephen took full advantage Of this opportunity. Absolutely. He did. And toward the end of his speech in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen gets really passionate in his preaching. And he says, You stiff necked people, 
uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So Stephen calls them out. He didn't hold back. Stephen was bold in speaking Jesus. Do you remember what that word bold means? It means to tell all. And that is what Stephen did. If you look back at what he told them their problem was in verse 51, he said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Church, that is a dangerous place to be when you resist the Holy Spirit in your life. Be careful that you listen to the Holy Spirit. You listen to his leading in your life. And if you're not sure that what you're hearing is from the Holy Spirit, Scripture says to take what you hear back to the Scriptures and test it to know if it is from God or not. Well, after Stephen calls them out, the crowd becomes enraged at him. They pick up stones and they stone Stephen to death. And Stephen's response to this angry mob of Jewish people was the same as Jesus' response when he was being crucified. It reads, starting at verse 59, As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now that doesn't mean Stephen fell asleep. It means Stephen died. And here you find at the end of Acts 7, the very first martyr in the church. But Stephen's death was not in vain. I want to quick look back with you at the key verse for the whole book of Acts. We find in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ever left this earth, he left some instructions with his 12 disciples. And in Acts 1 verse 8, he told them, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, two words um, that I studied more in the Greek this past week were the words power and witness in this verse, Acts 1.8. The Greek word for power is dunamis and would be our English word dynamite. And then the Greek word for witnesses is martis and would be our English word martyr. So really, if we read this verse more accurately to the Greek, it would read, but you will receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my martyrs 
in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That word specifically for witness, martyr, makes that verse take on a whole new meaning. You see, the 12 apostles, along with the early church, they knew and understood that their accepting of Jesus as Messiah could more than likely shorten their lifespan on this earth, ushering them into the kingdom of heaven. They knew and they understood the cost of following Jesus And they lived like they could not lose. Now, this is not meant to scare you, but it is meant to remind you of the urgency of the gospel and also to remind you that this world is not your home. You're just passing through it. Because as a follower of Jesus, you belong to a heavenly kingdom. And you see right from the start that Jesus told his disciples the power to be bold witnesses, to be martyrs for him, was not going to come from themselves. It was going to come from the Holy Spirit who would come and indwell them. Tucked into the last portion of Acts 7 is the name of one of the men who helped to stone Stephen, a man named Saul. And in response to the apostles and the seven other chosen men who were boldly speaking the name of Jesus, Saul begins to majorly persecute the church. And at the beginning of chapter 8, as he is dragging off men and women to prison, so we find that the church is under major attack and persecution for the first time, but it was all part of God's plan. Pick it up with me in Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. It reads, And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So up until now, in Acts chapter 8, the church has remained in Jerusalem. But Jesus had instructed his disciples to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Yet it seems that they were not fully doing what he had said. Now the word scattered here in the Greek is this idea of planting or sowing, scattering seeds. This was a picture of how the gospel would move along the ground. It's almost as if God helped and gave them a painful nudge of persecution so that his gospel would start to spread. 
And it says that when persecution started, the church was scattered throughout Judea and Samaria and they were preaching the word. That sounds more like what Jesus had told them to do. What we know and even find today is that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. If you read about the fastest growing churches in our world today, they are in places where followers of Jesus are persecuted and have been martyred. These brothers and sisters are living like they cannot lose because they know that eternity awaits them with God. Now we get to verse 5 in Acts 8, and we meet a man named Philip who began proclaiming Christ to the people of Samaria. So pick it up in verse 5. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Let's pause for a moment. Who was this Philip? This was the same Philip who was one of the seven chosen to help care for the widows back at the beginning of Acts chapter 6. He's known as a servant and as an evangelist. Now, we don't know much about Philip other than that he was a passionate, obedient follower of Jesus who was not afraid to serve in the small ways and also to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. After the church scattered, Philip was like thrown like seed to the city of Samaria, and he began preaching Jesus to the outcasts. And Philip's ministry in Samaria was thriving. If you jump ahead with me to verse 25, it says, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Now pause with me here for a moment. We're going to grasp what really just happened here. So we know that Philip was thrown like seed up to the city of Samaria. He's preaching Jesus. Many people are getting saved. He has a thriving ministry. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel comes to him and says, Philip, get up. It's time to go south to a desert road. What? This this sounds crazy. Like, why would Philip leave a thriving ministry and go to the desert? Notice that the angel never even told him why he was going. He only told him to go. 
Pick it up in verse 27. It says, And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So first we see that Philip obeyed immediately. He never questioned the angel. If God was telling him to go to the desert, then there was obviously something God wanted him to do. He just didn't know what that was yet. And on this desert road, we find a man who's the treasure to the queen of Ethiopia. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now he's returning to his homeland. And we don't even know this man's name. We just know he's a eunuch and he's the treasure to the queen. Now, to get a better understanding of where all this took place, I have a map for you to look at. On this map, you'll see that, that Jerusalem is right in the middle of Samaria and the desert road to Gaza. So Philip had left Jerusalem and taken the gospel north to Samaria, and now he was headed back south past Jerusalem to a desert road. And the Holy Spirit tells Philip to go and join the chariot. I love that it says in verse 30, so Philip ran to him. You see this urgency on the side of Philip. Philip knew this must be the guy that I need to speak Jesus to. He runs to him. And when he gets to the man, he doesn't even introduce himself. He just gets right to the main point of asking the guy, hey, do you understand what you're reading in Scripture? And you can see the earnest desire that this man has to know and understand the Scriptures. But he needed someone to explain it to him, to guide him, to disciple him. And without hesitation, he invites a total stranger, Philip, to come into his chariot and sit with him. The passage he was reading was from Isaiah, beginning in verse 32. It says, now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
Like we said earlier, there is an earnest desire from this man to know and understand the scripture, specifically what these verses in Isaiah, who they were referring to. And when he asked Philip to explain it, it simply says that Philip used the scriptures and told him the good news about Jesus. Friends, that is powerful. Really? That feels like enough, no more to be said. Using the scriptures, he preached Jesus. Those verses in Isaiah were a prophecy written many years before Jesus ever came to this earth about what he was coming to do. Jesus was like a sheep that was led to the slaughter and like a lamb that is silent before its shears, yet he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, justice was denied him and his life was removed from the earth. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy when he went to the cross for you. He knew that offering his perfect life as a sacrifice was the only way you could be saved from the punishment of your sin that leads to death. Have you realized and received the gift of your salvation that Jesus bought on your behalf? If not, do so today. Come to Jesus, repent of your sin, believe in his death and resurrection for you. Right outside our worship center doors in big letters are the words of Jesus from John 14, 6 that say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus alone is the way to the Father and to an eternal life in heaven. Come to Jesus today. Now I'm going to do something a little different than what I normally do. I'm going to pause right now in the middle of my message because that's how important I believe the call to receive Jesus is. We must be urgent with the gospel. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. So will you bow your heads with me right now? If you have never believed that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you are ready to confess your sin to him, to repent of your ways, and receive him as your savior, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I need you. I confess and repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe in your death and resurrection for me. Will you save me? In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, 
I would love it if you would reach out to me and let me know that you received Jesus as your Savior. I would love to celebrate that decision with you. You know, the book of Acts has become one of my favorite books in the Bible because it clearly shows how the church was started and how it grew. Over and over in this book, you read of God adding to the church's number daily those who are being saved. And this was constantly happening because it says they were always preaching Jesus and repentance. Jesus and repentance. It does not say that they were preaching God. It says that they preach Jesus over and over and over. And this is important to note because a lot of people will say that they believe in God, but they won't accept Jesus. Even the Jews believe in God, but won't accept Jesus as their Messiah. Remember, you only get to God the Father through Jesus. I believe if we at Valley Church are faithful to speak Jesus and preach repentance, then God will add to our number those who are being saved. It really is that simple. Too often we try to complicate it by adding our own fancy words. But remember, church, people need Jesus, the word. That is what this Ethiopian man needed, and Philip knew it. As we finish out this chapter 8, this man is ready to respond in obedience to all that he's heard. So pick it up with me in verse 36. It says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, because of God's sovereignty in this whole situation, He's totally in control. All of a sudden, in the middle of the desert, they come upon a body of water. And the eunuch says, hey, what stops me from being baptized? Philip didn't just speak Jesus and explain the scriptures. He also helped this man to take his next step in being obedient through baptism. And as soon as the eunuch comes up out of the water, Philip is gone. But it says the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Where was he going? Back to his homeland, back to Ethiopia, 
taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with him to a whole other continent. God sent Philip away from a thriving ministry in Samaria where he was leading multiple people to Jesus and led him to the desert to reach one. And Philip was obedient to go, even though he didn't know why he was going or who he was going to. Are you willing to leave everything in your life behind to step out of your comfort zone and go share Jesus with one? You don't have to know the whole Bible. Just speak Jesus and repentance. It might be hard, but it will be worth it. You see, Philip didn't live for the things of this world. He lived with eternity in mind. He thought of the many, but he also thought of the one. And he was willing to go. Sometimes you won't always understand why or where God is leading you until later, after the fact, and that was partially true for my family when God took us to Traverse City, Michigan, three and a half years ago. And our story in moving there reminds me of this story of Philip. Jonathan and I didn't know anyone when we moved to Traverse City, and, and I had many conversations with God early on about why he took us away from a thriving ministry in the valley and moved us to Traverse City. See, I questioned God. I was different than Philip. But that quickly changed as God revealed little by little his part of his plan in taking us there. Early on, Jonathan and I met a new young couple to the church there, and the dad joined the worship team, and he was really excited to be a part of a small group. One of the things the church had asked us when we came was to lead a small group, and Jonathan and I wanted to be very specific and target people who were new in their faith and new to the church. And this dad who had joined the worship team was like all in. We invited him and his wife and their family to be a part of our group, but his wife was hesitant. She wasn't so sure about this whole small group thing. And um, I remember the wife being in our living room that first week and just being very quiet. She was like observing everything happening. Well, small group became the highlight of our week and um, Jonathan and I said early on, we want to study the scriptures together. So we chose the book of Matthew. We would study a chapter each week. And after a few months of leading the group discussion and study time, then we started to hand off leadership to other people in the group. And I watched specifically as God took this hesitant mom at the beginning, who soon became one of my closest friends, and he gave her confidence as she studied the scriptures and even took turns leading the group discussion. 
Well, fast forward two years, God opened the door and revealed to us, it's time to go back to the valley. He wanted us to go back to West Virginia, and our hearts felt torn because this small group of friends had become a treasure for Jonathan and I. And it was the hardest to tell them that we were going to be moving back to the valley. But the night we told specifically this couple in our small group, while their reaction was somewhat sad, they said they knew all along that God would eventually take us back to the valley. And they totally supported us. You know, I honestly felt that God had brought us to Traverse City to disciple these newer followers of Jesus. Because you know what's even more crazy? Three quarters of the time we spent living in Traverse City, Michigan, happened during COVID. And what happened during to churches during COVID, they closed their doors for a season, they shut down, but our small group never missed a beat. And we kept on meeting weekly and discipling these newer followers of Jesus. And the greatest blessing that we were given came one of our last Sundays at the church. I'd never seen this before in a church, but the pastor would specifically have those who were being baptized be baptized by the one who discipled them. And this young couple had decided that they wanted to take their next step in baptism. They both wanted to be baptized together. They wanted to do it in Lake Michigan, and they asked Jonathan and I if we would do it. And that, friends, was my greatest blessing in Traverse City. And I believe the reward of obedience to God's leading when he tells you to go. The reward is on the other side of obedience. You may not understand why God is leading you somewhere, but the reward is on the other side of obedience. Meet again, because many of you here at Valley Church know them, our friends Tyler and Amber Lane. They gave us the best going away gift as we celebrated their public declaration of being followers of Jesus through joyful tears. And two weeks later, God uprooted us and brought us back to the valley to speak Jesus here. Some people would say to me and have said to me, Precious, why leave your hometown in Wisconsin? Why leave your parents? Why raise your kids away from their grandparents? Why would you leave a thriving ministry in the valley? And you know what I say? Why not? Why not? My life is not my own. It belongs to Jesus. Many years ago, when I was in college, God made it clear to me during a missions conference that he wasn't asking me to go overseas and speak Jesus like a lot of us fear, like, Lord, don't take me to the jungle in Africa, you know? But he was just asking Are you willing to be used somewhere else in the United States? 
And my answer was yes. Whenever he calls, whenever he asks me to go, I want to say yes. Even if it's just being faithful to speak Jesus to my children. Going and speaking Jesus looks different for every person here. For some of you, it might mean staying right where you are and being faithful. But for others of you, it may literally mean moving, uprooting yourself, stepping out of your comfort zone, moving to a different city, to a different state, to a different country to share Jesus with someone. And it might only be one person. But don't ever doubt what your obedience to speak Jesus with one person can do. The outcome of Philip's obedience was the gospel being taken to a whole other continent. The gospel is not stagnant. It moves. It travels. And there is nowhere it is afraid to enter into and settle within to bring salvation and restoration. So how about you? Will your answer be yes? Remember that when you go, you never go alone. As you go and speak Jesus, don't forget how powerful the name of Jesus is. But Jesus is not just a name, he is a man, the perfect God-man who took on human flesh, died and rose again to bring you eternal life. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. I'm going to circle back around to the beginning. Our vision statement here at Valley Church is to seek, serve, and send disciples of Jesus Christ into our valley and into the world with the gospel of Jesus. I believe the first to seek and serve tend to be the ones that can be a little easier for us. We don't have to move too much out of our comfort zone. But that last one, send, that one can scare us a little bit more. Requires being bold and courageous. You know, as God allows Valley Church to grow, don't let fear or being uncomfortable stop you from being sent out. I believe there are some of you here at Valley Church today and even watching online that Jesus wants to send out with his good news, with his gospel. 
But maybe you are struggling with fear and doubt. Let me remind you, fear is not from God. When I was in that missions conference, fearing what most of us do, going to Africa, that's not what God was asking of me. He was simply wanting me to surrender, to live with open hands to his will for my life over my own. Remember, friends, the reward is on the other side of obedience. Live like you cannot lose. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you today that he wants you to be sent out to go and speak Jesus with someone, don't resist the Holy Spirit's leading. Live in obedience and a reward will be waiting for you on the other side. Let me pray with you. Father God, we need you. We need courage and boldness to speak Jesus like never before. And Father, right now, will you reveal to each person listening or watching how and where you are asking them to go speak Jesus. Help us to be obedient to your great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And thank you for your faithful promise to always go with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I humbly pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.